that. This week, we're going to go back over verse 1, and then we're going to get into verse 2. And really, in part, I think, you know, when you look at instruction and, and guidance and part of just the, the great clarity, there's such clarity in here what God has for us. I think these two verses here in Romans 12 are, are, are two of the most concise, precise verses to what God's called us to in all of the New Testament. Just like if you're going to share the gospel, you know, you pull out John 3.16, you got it there, you know. It, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever shall believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's boom, it's just right there. And in these two verses, it's just really right there. What's God calls us to? What did he have for us? And then heaven, how do I go about that? Such great instruction here and clarity given to us. Well, before we get to that, we want to, again, go back to what God is here. Those first eight chapters or so, we really dug deep into the gospel. Oftentimes, Romans is called the fifth gospel. Paul spent the first two, three chapters and really just showing us we were sinners. I mean, again, we, there's no one that reads those chapters. Boy, if you read those and walk away, oh, I'm no sinner. Boy, your ears are, are deafened. But praise God took us from that to show that Jesus is the Savior, that Jesus is the way, that any who calls upon the Lord will be saved. Such great, you know, what theology and doctrine put before us. And then as we came to chapter 9, 10, and 11, such pivotal chapters of understanding, you know, at end times uh, prophecy and eschatology, which is just a fancy word for, you know, at end times teaching or doctrine in the scripture. As Paul really went deep to educate the Gentile concerning natural Israel, as well as to remind those of natural Israel that God has not given up on her, though only a remnant believed in Christ when he first came. And took us through so many Old Testament scriptures and promises and so forth, really showing how that Israel's rejection of Christ in his first coming outside of that remnant was work for good for the Gentiles in this church age as the gospel went forth to all nations. And we see, again, the church all over the world today and how now God is using this time of the church age until the fullness of the Gentiles come in when God comes for his church to stir natural Israel, which for the most part is in blindness, to jealousy, to coming to that place at the end of the tribulation of all Israel being saved, all natural Israel, the seed of Abraham coming to that place of salvation. And we were instructed this not to be ignorant, not to ignore these sayings, not to be unlearned concerning these sayings, or to be wise in our opinion in these things, to put our opinion above God's word. And as we looked at this, we saw Paul wrapping up you know, this section and breaking out in just great praise to God. And this leads us to where we are now in Romans 12, as he just marveled at the wisdom of God and the knowledge of God and the generosity of God. And then he closed those thoughts out there in Romans eleven thirty six, where he says, for of him, and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. All things. And that includes us. Are of him, through him, to him. For his glory forever. Amen. Being so be it, the final authority. There's no arguments of it. Can we say amen to that today? And so with these things laid out, now we begin to get instruction. Now we see next here, the, four, the fourth word here in chapter 12, verse 1, is the word therefore. And so, so we see why the, the, the therefore, what's it therefore? You've been taught all these things. 
And they're taught, not taught to these things just so that you know them, but you're being taught these things so that you would go and act upon them now. Remember, we're to pay attention to ourselves and to our doctrine. In doing so, we'll save ourselves as well as those who hear us. And so we want to pay attention to what we believe and what is, again, uh, the, the, the direction of our, our, our faith and so forth, our doctrine, but also to our lives. This isn't just about knowing, but it's about acting on the word and doing. And we got a lot of knowing and a lot of truth to shape the way what we think to transform us, as we'll get into more this morning, but also to act on the scriptures. And so last week we saw with these things said, and by the mercies of God, that we're to be a people presenting ourselves to the Lord daily so we can continually present ourselves to the Lord a living sacrifice. It's really that call to understand he is my Lord and I am called to serve my Lord to be a living sacrifice, which means again, I'm poured out for the Lord, not in the sense of a sacrifice being poured out and that's it or killing that sacrifice, but instead I'm a living sacrifice. I'm set apart for God at every single turn. I live for him, I serve him, I worship him. I put him first in everything that I do to his glory and I'll tell you for your good. Life is found, abundant life is found in living for the Lord. We'll go over that again this morning. And then we also saw last week that this is our reasonable service. It's a reasonable service to present ourselves to God continually, to be a living sacrifice to God continually, to be, as we kind of nutshelled it, sold out for God. And yet the carnal Christian cries out, no, this is unreasonable. No, it's reasonable. The word also means logical. The Lord laid down it all for us. We are called to be imitators of Christ, and we are called to lay it down for him. Again, not for our salvation. That's found through him. But to walk in the call of God on us in him. Remember again, the life the Lord lives now, he lives unto God the Father. And if he's our Lord, the life we live now is to God the Father. And there's nothing unreasonable about that. We'll talk about that a little bit more this morning. And then in verse two, again, we'll see to do this, we can't be found being conformed to the world, being shaped by the world, the philosophies of men, the doctrines of demons, which stand in such opposition to the truth of God's word. Instead, we're to be a people being transformed, shaped and molded, through the renewing of our minds, which comes through the scriptures, through God's truth, so that we can approve of what's good and what is acceptable and of the perfect will of God, which means we have to make some judgments. What's of God, what's not of God? And we can't do that if our minds aren't being transformed. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people that, you know what, I don't know their hearts, they say they're Christians, but they're being conformed by the world. So they say, this is good and that's bad, not based on God's word, but based on what the world says. And sadly, we see an explosion even in that. Let that not be us, because I'll tell you, in that, there's not the love of God found. Salvation isn't found, and it's always to our detriment. So that's where we've been, a little bit where we're going. Let's read verses one and two together here, and we'll dive back in this, do a little bit more review again, touch on a few other things, and then finish out in verse two. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, 
holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now again, notice how he starts, I beseech you therefore. And last week, and we'll come back to it here real briefly, we looked at beseech, we looked at therefore, but notice what's right between those words, it's you. And we need to know that this morning. The Lord is talking to you. And when I say that, he's talking to me. But it's easy to come to the word and say, oh, he's talking about that guy, this guy. He is talking to you. He is talking to me. He is being direct with us. I beseech you. And I pray we could receive it as such this morning. This is God talking to his children. This is God talking to you. He wants to convey this to you. He wants to shape you through this. He wants to show you his heart and mind that he has for you and for your life. He is talking to you. And so again, I beseech you. Remember that word beseech here, it is I urge you. He's saying this is an urgent matter. And again, in the context, as we just kind of nutshelled this, he is says, he's saying it is urgent for you to be sold out for God, to be presenting yourself to God, to be a living sacrifice presented to God, not to be being conformed by the world, but transformed through the renewing of your mind through the word of God. And why is he saying this? Why is this so urgent? Because again of the therefore. What's the therefore for? Romans eleven thirty six. I'll read it again. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. And because all things are of him and through him and to him for his glory, Paul is saying, therefore I urge you to live for his glory. To recognize I am here to serve God, to love him first, to put him first. And to know in that, again, the world will say, don't do that, you're going to lose life. Let's not be conformed by the world and their lies, but understand the Lord said that in doing so, you will gain life. You're going to gain life, abundant life, and walk in a life that is not wasted, but instead live for his glory again we looked at solomon who you know it was a man that had the means to explore just about every broken cistern out then out there of philosophy and you know what debauchery and zoology and you name the all the, the ology he went and he said i feasted on this and yet i found it to be vanity and then at the end there of Ecclesiastes, it seems at the end of his days when he returned back to seeking the Lord, seeing the vanity of all these things, as the Holy Spirit moved him, he wrote the conclusion of the whole matter. In other words, as the Spirit of God moved on him, he says, I'm in a nutshell life for you. Here's the conclusion of the whole matter. Notice there Ecclesiastes 12, 13. What's the conclusion of the whole matter? Do you want to hear it today? He says, let's hear it. Let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. Paul's saying the same thing. Fear God. Believe God. 
Depart from evil. Don't be conformed by the world, but instead seek the Lord. Seek his word. This is man's all. Again, because all is of him and through him and are for him to his glory forever. Amen. So again, people run around and they grapple with all these questions, you know. Uh, you know, what am I here for? What is my purpose? What should I be doing? What's the mark of success? And listen, there's specifics that he's called us to, and I don't want to just sweep that under the rug. But listen, there is a general higher call above all of that. We are here to fear God, to keep his commandments, to be living sacrifices unto God Almighty. That is our all. And again, don't let the flesh the world or the devil lie to you saying, oh, but no, that's not fun. You're not going to find life in that. No, life is found living for God. He's the giver of life. Every good and perfect gift does not come from below up above. It comes from the Father of lights above. He's the giver of life, eternal life, and abundant life. And then on top of that, this is urgent because life is short. It is a vapor. It comes and it goes. It really, really does. And we're going to give an account of our life. We get one time through. We only get so many steps, so many heartbeats. God knows. He's predetermined those boundaries and those steps and so forth and hopes we would grope after God, Acts 17. But make no mistake, our time is short and we want to be living our life for God all Mighty, Can we say amen to that today? And again, this is a call, he says, on you. And again, the you here is the brethren. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Again, are you in the Lord this morning? Then you're a brother, you're a sister. This is a specific and the specific call on Christians to be sold out for God. 1 John 5, 19, we look at it often. It says, we know we are of God. Do you know that this morning? That we are of God. That's a huge thing. We're of God. And while the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And again, he's moving to in this, don't be conformed by the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind through the Holy Spirit, the word of God. We'll see as we compare scripture with scripture, that's where we get our minds renewed. And we need to be in a place of recognizing, I got a call as a Christian, as a Christian brother, a Christian sister to live for the Lord. This is God's call upon my life. The Lord put it like this. There in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, 37, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind. It doesn't say 99% or 50% or, you know, at 5%. With all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind. He says, this is the first and great commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And again, the world puts that backwards. They say, I gotta love myself to be able to love my neighbor. Then maybe somehow I'll love God, which is always the God of their imagination as they imagine him to be. And again, broke this down so many times, we all love ourselves. You may not like yourself, you may not like your circumstances, but we all love ourselves. Otherwise, you would not care about your circumstances or yourself. We all love ourselves. And listen, that's not to say that's a bad thing. It's bad, though, when we are 
loving ourselves above our neighbor, and even worse, when we're loving ourselves above God. And again, if you really love yourself, you're concerned about your soul, your soul is precious. Again, what's a prophet of man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Your soul is precious. The Lord laid down his life to save your soul. And if you really love your soul, then absolutely love God first. That's the best thing you can do for yourself. And that will enable you to love your neighbor. How can I love my neighbor if I'm not loving God? We can't do that. And so this is a call on us Christians to be sold out for him. And again, this can be sound like a daunting and overwhelming test, t- a task, but he says, I beseech you therefore, brother, notice, by the mercies of God. And this is Paul pleading with them through the mercies of God shown to Paul to be an apostle, to receive forgiveness and grace himself. And this is also, again, Paul saying, by the mercies of God, the compassion of God, the pity of God, we can do what God has called us to do. Anything God calls us to do, he will empower us to do, grant us grace and mercy to be able to do what he calls us to do. 2 Corinthians 4.1, therefore, since we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. And maybe even in this text this morning, maybe in your walk with him, maybe in that call to be a living sacrifice, you're feeling worn down today. You're feeling a little beat up today. You feel like you're running out of juice, so to speak, today. You feel like, man, I'm losing heart. Cry out for the mercies of God. Cry out for the grace of God. Get on your face before the Lord and just say, oh, God, lavish me with your mercy. Lavish me with your compassion. Lavish me with your strength, your grace, the Spirit of God. Give me what I need, God, to move forward in what you've called me to walk in. And listen, this is something we'll go back to over and over again. Because again, it starts by presenting ourselves to him, going before him. In fact, notice what he says next. I beseech you, therefore, brother, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. This is really twofold. We look at this earlier in Romans. First of all, again, we present ourselves to the Lord so that we can present ourselves a living sacrifice to the Lord. Presenting yourself, it is what you present before your life. It's what you allow to influence your heart, your mind, your thinking, your actions, and so forth. These are principles and laws found throughout the scripture. Again, we'll go back there to Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. And so let's not be deceived in this. Let's let's not think this doesn't apply to us. Do not be deceived. God's not mocked. And we're mocking God if we don't think this truth applies to us. Do not be deceived, God's not mocked, whatever a man sows, or you could say whatever a man presents himself to, whatever a man allows to influence him, whatever a man sponges in, that is what he will reap. He who sows of the flesh, of the flesh will reap corruption, but he who sows of the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap, if we do not, notice again, lose heart. We gotta present ourselves to him. Look at this, why we talk about a daily walk with the Lord, drawing near to God daily. What we do here should be a supplement to what's going on every day. Not throwing this out as some legalism to save you, but absolutely as a truth to liberate you. As you draw near to the Lord in that 
not only love relationship, but with the recognition he laid down his life for me and he's called me to lay my life down in service of him. I'm called to be a soldier. And here's the thing, soldiers don't get the choice whether they want to get up and, you know what, go do what they've been commanded to do or not. And is not the Lord's army of more value than any army organization or group here on earth. I would, I would hope we would agree with that. And we gotta take that mentality on. Again, not in a sense of doing things begrudgingly or doing things, you know, with a, with a, a, a bitterness in our heart, but instead understanding the Lord laid it all down. I have a call now to present myself to him. Life is gonna be found there. Renewal is found there daily. My mind gets shaped there and so forth. It's where I get filled up so now I can go and be poured out presenting ourselves to him so that we can present ourselves daily to him so we're a people of prayer a people of worship a people of the word a people of christian fellowship we're walking in those things god has called us to walk in we're asking for a fresh filling of the spirit of god each day so we can be about the business of god each day so that now i can say lord as i presented myself to you and as i present myself to you throughout the day so i receive from you so now i can go and be a living sacrifice and a servant of god out in this world that desperately needs jesus christ because all things are of him through him and all things are for him again the lord put it like this in luke 9 23 if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. And notice, take up his cross daily and follow me. Anyone knows what happens on a cross? People get crucified. That's where the Lord laid down his life. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And really practically to take up a cross and carry it, it means I need to wrap two hands around it and my whole body needs to go in that to carry this cross. And if I want to hold something in my other hand, if I want to be double-minded, we're going to stumble and bumble and all that cross is going to do is fall on us and crush us and so forth versus being strengthened to say, I want to walk with the Lord and abound in the Lord. Look, at this is what we're called to. We're not called to Jesus save me. Now I do what I want to do when I want to do it. That's the philosophy of the world. The philosophy of the world is do as thou wilt. If it feels right, do it. Do what's right in your own eyes. That is not scriptural. Follow your heart. Your heart is found nowhere in the scripture. We're to follow the word of God and the Holy Spirit. In fact, the scripture says our heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. We're not called to, I take grace and use it for a license to sin, but no, I take grace and it's there for my salvation and so that I can be set apart unto him. We looked at this verse last week and I think it's worthy of repeating. Jude 4, for certain men have crept in not unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men, notice, who turned the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at the word lewdness there. It means a constant state of lusting. And there's a lot of lies floating around in the body of Christ and Christianity today that grace is there so that you can walk in a continued state of lust because your sins are forgiven. And again, if you really call upon Christ, your sins are forgiven, but now we are called to abound in him. 
Grace frees us to serve God. It's not meant to be an agent for us to serve the flesh and pursue the things of the world with the thought of, but I'll be saved when I stand before God Almighty. A continued state of lust. That's how the world lives. You know, what do I want? What's my flesh want? Again, love myself first, me first. Appeasing my five senses and so forth. You know, the Bible talks about it and compares it to a brute beast. A beast that, again, isn't made in the image and likeness of God, but just runs on instincts, that runs on the flesh. It's the reason why, you know what, your dog will sit and ask for another treat and another treat and another treat. Feed me, feed me, feed me. Again, where's the dog? Open a bag of chips, where are you gonna find that dog? And so forth. And that's not demeaning dogs, but we're not supposed to be like dogs. We're to be in that place of, Lord, what would you have for me? Not just what are my instincts and what does my flesh want, but what would the Lord have of me? What does the Lord want of me? Notice 1 Corinthians 6, 12. And I think these verses are key in getting a grasp on this. All things are lawful for me. Because again, in Christ, we're not under the law, we're under grace. But not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things, but, excuse me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Again, he's my Lord. I don't want you to be brought under the power of the things that the world is under. I want to be under the power of the Holy Ghost, of the word of God, of my Lord. Notice what he says. Food is for the stomach, stomach for the food, but God will destroy both it and them. Now notice, now the body is not for sexual immorality, but it's for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised up the Lord and will raise us up by his power. So again, I belong to the Lord and my body is for the Lord. What's Paul saying? Present your bodies a living sacrifice. My body's to serve God. I'm not saved in Christ for sexual immorality. I'm not saved in Christ to go do as I will. People say, well, I'm free though. I'm not under the law. You're not, but look at the heart of the believer says, but I won't be brought under the power of those things that Christ died for. He's my Lord. I'm gonna live for God. I wanna live for the glory of God. And again, life is found in that. Living sacrifices. And living sacrifice, meaning I say and mean, here is your servant. What would you have of me? According to your word, your heart, your mind, your Holy Spirit, I'm ready to serve, to be poured out, to sacrifice my life, my ways, my selfishness for your cause. Paul, on multiple occasions, says I'm being poured out as a drink offering. And again, a drink offering in the Old Testament wouldn't be, you know, at a vessel of water or whatever it would be, and you're like, okay, Lord, I'm gonna give you a sip. Shh, the rest is for me. A drink offering, it'd be all poured out. Think about David when, again, they were uh, surrounded by the Philistines. And he says, boy, what would I do to, to drink from a spring there in Israel? And three of his mighty men, remember, they went and they went through the Philistines just to go get him that vessel of water and they brought it to him. And he said, I can't drink what these men risked their lives for. And he took it and he, he didn't say, well, give me a sip. He poured it all out as an offering to God. It's a picture of a burnt offering. I lay it all down for God, I want to be poured out for the Lord. The world doesn't think this way. That never enters their mind. But we've been called to be living sacrifices. And again, the only way to be poured out is to first be filled up and continually filled up, presenting ourselves to God, being worshipers of God, and people that are thankful before God, casting our cares to God, 
being in the word of God, asking daily for a fresh filling of the spirit of God. Again, we talk about being poured out. Jesus said in John 7, 38, he who believes in me as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But he spoke this concerning the spirit. And when we're in a place where like, I believe God, I believe God for salvation. And I believe God as well in the call for me to be a living sacrifice. And I believe God in all these areas. Absolutely, he will pour out and in and through us the spirit of God so we can walk in this call of God. To be living sacrifices, holy, which means to be set apart, acceptable to God. Again, we're saved by grace through faith unto holy living. Notice 1 Peter 1.13, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Notice here, as obedient children, not conforming yourself to the former lust as in your ignorance. So we shouldn't be being conformed to and shaped by those things we were saved from. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. And again, this is where the carnal Christian cries out, but I'm under grace. Whatever I do is acceptable to God and that's not the case. It'd be like the Old Testament believer saying, whatever sacrifice I bring to God is acceptable. Though God gave the prescribed scription of lambs and bulls, and pigeons, if you didn't, couldn't afford a lamb or a bull or whatever. Fine flour, if you can't afford a pigeon, he'd made a way. It was a prescribed way of worship. Can you imagine if a guy says, well, God has to accept it, though, because we're in covenant with God as Jews, and he rolls up to the temple with a pig, an unclean animal. You think that thing gets through the front door? It ain't happening. Unacceptable to God. Well, listen, in our lives... In our lives, we need to understand it's not do what I want to do and God has to accept it and God has to bless it. He doesn't. We need to find out what's acceptable to the Lord. And it starts with presenting ourselves to God and recognizing I'm a living sacrifice to be set apart for God. This is acceptable to God. And this is where the spirit-filled Christian cries out, I want to get into the word and find out what my Lord would have me to do. I want to find out what's acceptable to the Lord. Notice Ephesians 5.8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Notice this next verse. Notice verse 10. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no, have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. So how do I find out what's acceptable to the Lord? It's what I feel. God, give me a feeling. Oh, it's in my heart. How many times have we said, oh, the Lord put it on my heart when the Lord never put it on the heart? That's your heart. How do we find out what's acceptable to the Lord? How do we test our own heart? Well, again, God's given us his word. We're to test all things by the word. God tells us what's acceptable. Even in all these verses we're reading, what's acceptable? Your body's for the Lord, not for sexual immorality. To say, I got grace, now my body's for sexual immorality. I only get one time through. Can't keep the Corvette in the garage. I gotta get out and zoom it around. No, 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 that body is for God Almighty, which includes one man and one woman in holy matrimony. And anything outside of that is not acceptable to God. God won't bless that. And again, in all this, this is your reasonable service. 
That word reasonable, it also means logical. This is reasonable. There's nothing unreasonable, but the carnal man cries out. It's unreasonable. It's not within reason. God would tell me I can't use my body for sexual immorality. That's not reasonable. No, it is reasonable. The Lord laid down his life for you, and he's called us now to present our lives to him. And here's the thing, presenting your life to him, please hear me this morning, presenting your life to him is good. Life is found in him, walking with him, serving him, worshiping him. Those other things, life's not found there. Sin's pleasurable for a season, but the end of it leads to death. Absolutely. In every case, God's word's true in these matters. And again, if you still resist, though, or if our flesh gets into the place where it rises up because we've fed it too much lately and it's being shaped by the world, and we say, well, this just isn't reasonable. Was it reasonable for God to send his son to die on the cross for us? Here we are in rebellion. God promises his son because we need a perfect sacrifice for our sin. The blood of bulls and goats will never take away sin. We can never live up to his standard of perfection in ourselves. So God, in his goodness and our rebellion, prophesied that his son would come, though that serpent would bruise his heel, he would crush his head. And Christ never indulged in sin once, so he can atone for our sins once for all. Was that reasonable? That doesn't sound reasonable at all. But God in his reason and God in his heart and God in his love for us laid it all down for us. And so to stand up and say, this is unreasonable, again, that's illogical. That goes against scripture. That's, a, that's another religion, as we talked about that last week. Not only is legalism religion that gets, you know, oh, that, those religious people. Lasciviousness or lewdness is religion too. We made up our own religion. We do what we want to do when we want to do it, and God has to accept it. That's not biblical. That's a false religion. And yet again, you look around the world today and you see so many saying this isn't reasonable. We don't want to be transformed by God's word. We want to claim Christianity. We want to form a godliness, but we want no power. So let's be conformed by the world. And one way they're doing that is trying to deconstruct the Christian faith to remake it into what they want it to be, something that looks like what the world finds acceptable. A couple quotes here. Got the references, so I'm not going to refer to them. They're there in your notes. Some of you may have heard that word, though, deconstructionism. It's a big, popular word right now. It was the emerging church. Deconstructionism is now what it's, you know, it called today. And it's this idea we're going to tear down the faith. We're going to tear down the doctrines, again, that are not subjected to private interpretation. And then we're going to raise up what we want. And this is abounding, sadly, in so much of Christianum. Notice here, a new generation is rethinking what they've been told about Christianity, the Bible and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. They argue a new reformation is taking place as, their voice, as they voice their doubts and embrace the process known as theological deconstruction. So we're going to go through. We don't like this. This is offensive to us. The world doesn't like it. So we're going to go through and we're going to tear down all of the doctrines of the faith. Though we read in 1 Peter 1.20, no prophecy of scripture is subject to private interpretation. 
So it's not, well, these doctrines were good for that generation, but they're not good for this generation. So we're gonna redefine what all this means. Notice this and follow this all the way through. Deconstruction is the heading most recently applied to the process of questioning, doubting, and ultimately rejecting aspects of Christian faith. This is an application of deconstructionism, an approach that claims to disassemble beliefs or ideas while assuming their meanings are inherently subjective. So in other words, they're not set in stone, they're subjected to what we want them to mean. Both the trend and its title reject backlash against the unfortunate habit within some religious circles to downplay deep questioning and ignore those who hold them, to openly investigate the nuances of belief, even changing one's convictions. It's a biblical concept. So again, questioning and going back to the word and letting the word change us, we should be doing that. But what it says here, in practice though, deconstruction almost always acts as a polite cover to demolition. Modern deconstruction usually means replacing uncomfortable tenets with culturally or personally popular ideas. And just about every survey out there today, when evangelical, which are supposed to be Bible-believing Christians, are asked, what do you base truth on? The majority say, my feelings versus God's word. We do what we want when we want to do it. And yet the scripture says in Jeremiah 6.16, thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see, ask for the old paths where the good way is and walk in it and then you'll find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. And this abounds all around us. Look at, look at the, look the big issue in our country. We can say, oh, those progressives, oh, these people, all oh, these rhinos and whatnot, these people, they're just all a name, blah, blah, blah. Look at outside of Christ, they're all under the sway of the wicked one. This is a pulpit problem. This is a, a Christian problem. Because years ago, there was an abandonment outside of a remnant. And praise God, there's always a remnant of soundness. And faithful churches to the word and faithful pulpits to the church. But for the most part, there was an abandonment of these things and this push for church growth and acceptance by the world to go seeker sensitive. Don't say anything to offend anybody. They'll never come back. And a church that's moved to measure success by nickels, noses, staff size, square footage, fun-filled programs, thumbs up online, and data voice from the world. A church with a low view of scripture, holiness and sacrifice, and a high view of man's opinion, entertainment, and indulgence in the flesh. Go read the Lord's letter to Laodicea. Jesus is on the outside. They're wise in their own opinion. And yet they are poor, naked, and blind. 2 Timothy 4.2 says, Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when they won't endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And then notice, they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Let's not be turned away from the truth. Let's not be turned aside to fables, to feelings, 
the philosophies of men and the doctrines of demons, but instead let's walk in the old paths of the scripture as laid out in clarity by God in his word. Can we say amen to that? So notice here, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do not be conformed to the world. Don't be shaped by the world. Don't be influenced by the world. Don't be led by the world. It's that picture of presenting myself to the world. What's the world doing? What's the world say what's right? What's the world say is wrong? What's trending in the world? I want to present myself to that. I want to be influenced by that, by the world's ways, philosophies, pursuits. Look at at the minimum allowing them to influence you, and at the worst, allowing them to fully shape you, your thinking, your actions, and your faith. Who is shaping the way you think? Who is shaping your mind? Who is shaping your life? Is it God's word and the Holy Spirit of God working through the word of God, or is it Ellen DeGeneres? Is it Fox News's Bruce Jenner? Is it the HR department at work? Is it the Facebook fact checkers, TikTok, Netflix, Twitters, or is it God in his word? What's shaping the way that you think? Again, 1 John five nineteen. we know we're of God, amen, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. It is a world that is resistant to Jesus Christ, the word of God, and truth that liberates First John 2.15, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust in it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. How's your mind being shaped in the month of June? This country founded on Christian principles has decided to take the month of June to uphold, to promote, and to celebrate something that the word of God calls abominable. And listen, sin is sin, but when a certain sin is weaponized to try to destroy Christianum and to try to get the church to bend knee to the ways of the world, we gotta stand up and say something. Look into the book of Job. Job, it says the sons of Leviathan are proud. (laughs) Is your mind being shaped this month and each day and each month and year, but especially this month right now in June, is it being shaped? Are you being conformed by the world when it comes to sexuality and marriage and what's right and what's wrong? Or are you being shaped by the world? Are you getting whittled and worn down by every store with a bag with a rainbow on it? There's a lot of Christians being conformed to the world. Oh, we got to accept these things. You know, that, that, that old way of thinking, it's just gone. We've come into a new era. Look at God's word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The body's not for sexual immorality, amen? The body is for the Lord. Whether it's heterosexual immorality or homosexual immorality, that is nowhere approved in the scripture, and it's detrimental to the soul. It's detrimental to the culture, The Lord wants to save. This isn't a message of hate, it's a message of love. And it's a message that so many in the Christian 
are burying and running from because they want to be conformed by the world. And you're seeing it more and more. It's not just those old mainline denominations that embraced this nonsense years ago that have three people sitting in their congregation because there's just nothing there whatsoever. But now you're seeing it with so many of the mainstream evangelical churches and you see so much of Christianum collapsing. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe a lot of it needs to collapse so that it could be rebuilt, not through people deconstructing it, but through the Lord raising it up afresh. And let me ask you this, as I talk about these things, are you offended by this? Are you cringing with each word? Oh, 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 oh. That's a good sign you're being conformed by the world. Check yourself in that. I encourage you, if you're like, I'll never come back here again, how dare he? You better test these things by God's word because we're gonna give an account of our lives. And if you love your neighbor, you're gonna share the love of God with them and God's plan for them to wash them, to forgive them, to liberate them, to transform them into who God has intended them to be. Again, but sadly, so many Christians are even having their conscience conformed by the world. That even when this type of message is preached, they feel convicted for even sitting in it. They feel convicted for going, you know what, if I don't approve of this, I'm wrong. Because their mind's been shaped by the world versus being shaped by the word and being convicted by the word of God if we would dare even approve of such things or not pray for such people who God laid down his life to save. Sinners just like we once were before we came to Christ. And again, let's not be conformed to the world, but transformed by the Lord. Present our bodies to him. And again, it's your choice in it. Who are you presenting your body to, your person to? Who are you putting before you? Well, I'm waiting for the Lord just to lift me up and float me to the Bible. Who are you presenting your bodies to? You gotta move your body over and open the scriptures. Get on your knees, lift up your hands. It's called having a pulse and fighting back and saying, I ain't gonna allow a world that hates God to conform me. I'm gonna bring myself before God Almighty and cry out to him. I don't got time to go through these examples, but listen, allowing the, word to conf- the world to conform you never works out well. Think about Lot, him and Abraham separating, him choosing the Jordan Valley, Sodom's there, moving his tent towards Sodom, living in Sodom. Then he's in the gate of Sodom. And then when the angel comes and says, get out of Sodom, he lingered in Sodom. He was being conformed by the world. He knew judgment was come. He went to his son-in-laws. They laughed in his face. He was a righteous man by faith, but he had a powerless walk because he was conformed by the world. They laughed in his face and went down in flames. His wife went out, Instructed not to look back, she looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. He, after he begged the angel to make a way of compromise for him, didn't flee exactly to where he was supposed to be, but went to a compromised place and his daughters got him drunk so they can be impregnated by him. That's where you get the Ammonites and the Moabites in scripture. Enemies of Israel, with a few exceptions. Enemies of God, except for a few exceptions. Disaster followed. A lot of fun times in Sodom, no, way, no, no doubt. 
a lot of, you know, parties and this and that and probably approvals and, oh, look at, boy, this guy, he's a man of God and here he's with us. Boy, that doesn't, that doesn't convict our conscience at all, but it ends in destruction. The patterns found throughout the word of God. Again, we have a call to come out. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. Revelation 8, 14. We have a call to come out, not to be conformed to our former lust, 1 Peter 1, 13 through 15, but absolutely to be conformed to the image of his son, Romans 8, 29. So listen, we have to have that heart that says, I will not be conformed by the world, but I will be transformed, which means to be changed, fashioned through the renewing of my mind, which means to renovate. It means to make fresh. It starts by getting born again. It starts by coming to Christ and calling on him to be our Lord. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, old things have passed away, behold, all things are new. Are you in Christ this morning? If you're not, you need to get born again. Maybe, you know what, who, who, I don't even know why you're here, but you're here. And maybe you even came in here with some motive today or whatever, like I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get a gotcha moment on that pastor. Bro, it's all online, you can listen at home. Ain't hiding any of this. We're letting the light of Christ shine. But you're hearing this morning, you need to repent and call upon the Lord. You need to get born again. You need to confess your sin and ask Jesus to wash you. And I'm telling you, if you reject him, if you shun him, the day's gonna come where there's such great regret. It starts by getting saved and then from there continuing in that process of now having our thinking changed. Again, we're saved by grace through faith. Then Ephesians 2, 10, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared before and that we should walk in them. It's not called to be a living sacrifice. I gotta present myself to him. Not for a season, but all of my days. Through the renewing of my mind, changing the way we think, we live, we operate, and how we do that? By the word of God. The spirit of God working through the word of God. Ephesians 4, 23 it says to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Notice 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction and in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Complete or equipped there means perfected, accomplished or made fresh. The word of God. It's the mind of God. It's how we are to be shaped in our thinking and so forth. And I think you draw near to the Lord, it's amazing how he will put you in your right mind. You get a chance, go read Luke 8, 26, down through 38, excuse me, 39. That demonic out of his mind gets touched by Jesus and the Lord puts him in his right mind. Finally here, verse or the end of this, that you may prove or approve what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we can approve of what is good. We can approve of what is acceptable, of what God's perfect will is, so that we can approve of that and disapprove what's not that. Look, at this is a call to make judgments. I know some people, oh, judge, we're not to judge. The Bible says, do not judge. No, let's look at that in context. Do not judge, for in the manner you judge, you'll be judged. And the Lord says, get the log out of your eye first, so judge yourself first, 
Get the log out of your eye so then you can judge the speck in your brother's eye and in love go help him get the speck out of his eye. And then he says, next, go, don't give what's holy to the dogs or cast your pearls before swine. How do I know the dogs and the hogs? I got to judge. So there's righteous judgments and unrighteous judgments. And if the judgments are to put others down, to puff ourselves up, that's a big old lie. It's an unri- uh, un- unrighteous judgment. But judging what's of God and what's not of God so I can walk in what is of God absolutely is what we are called to. And we can't do that if we are not having our minds renewed. If you're being conformed by the world, how in the world can you judge what is of God and what is not of God? A couple more verses here. We're almost done. 1 Corinthians 2, 14. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. They don't have the Spirit of God. They don't have any discernment. So why would we want a world that doesn't have the Spirit of God and no biblical discernment to shape the way that we think? But he who is spiritual judges all things. And then 1 Thessalonians 5.19, do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies, God's prophetic word. Test all things or judge all things. Hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. I judge everything, every statement, these things by God's word. I abstain from evil, I cleave to what is good. I hold fast to that. So my mind can be transformed and I can be a living sacrifice so I can determine what's of God and what's not of God so I can walk in what's good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Don't you want to be found in the perfect will of God? We got to get in the word of God then. We'll close on this verse. 2 Corinthians 10, 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. The world always tries to raise up thoughts against the knowledge of God. Oh, we weren't created by God, we were evolved. Well, I'll start by putting that down through quoting God's word. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And then I'll follow that up with, bro, something can't come from nothing. An amoeba doesn't have the DNA of a human in it. So where'd that come from? And explosions don't produce order, but disorder. We could go on from there. I got a PhD. Don't ever, look, if you make your argument, I'm a pastor. No, let's stick to the facts. (laughs) You bring that down through the truth of scripture. Oh, you know what? This little boy's a little girl inside. No, we take that thought captive. The Lord said in the beginning, God made them male and female. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. That's approved by God. Look at these other things. They're destructive. They're, they're detrimental. They, 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 they destroy. They absolutely do. Look at our culture right now. What's going on out there? That's not the product of seeking after the heart and mind of God. That's the product of the world's ways, which again, even exploded through so much of Christianum and unfaithful shepherds in the pulpit not to rightly divide God's word and say we're standing in the scripture, even if we're hated for it. The Bible talks a lot about that. 
your name being thrown out for evil for his sake. But he says, rejoice in that day, greatest reward in heaven. Now again, we need, to, we, need to, we need to judge that. Do they not like me because of my walk with the Lord or am I a jerk for Jesus, right? Which one? There's a lot of jerk, you know what? Jerk activity in the name of Jesus. Again, we walk in this and we want to walk in love and truth. It's, it's not casting out hate, or the, but it's in, in the love to see people liberated and a willingness to say, I'm a living sacrifice. And sometimes it's the filling of that cross you're carrying you being thrown down and nailed to it for a season. But even in that, God works it for our good. As he works all things for good, for those that love him and are called according to his purposes. Let's stand up and close in prayer and worship of the Lord. Well, Heavenly Father, we bless your name and we give you praise this day. Oh, Lord God, I just thank you that you sent your son. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that you laid down your life for us. Help us, God. We, we, we are in a world where we are bombarded by the world's ways. It's all around us. Oh, Lord, let us be a people, God, that aren't being conformed by a world under the sway of the wicked one, but instead we're being transformed by your word, the spirit of God. We need your mercy. We need your help, God. We need your aid. We need to get filled up afresh. Fill us afresh today with your spirit. Put an unction in us, God, not to lay like dead men, but get up and show a pulse for the Lord Jesus Christ. Rise us up, God, as only you can. And strengthen us in this hour of peril to be set apart for the Lord. As your eyes go to and fro, Lord, throughout the earth looking for hearts loyal to you. Oh, God, by your grace, by your grace, God, shape our hearts to be loyal to you. That again, we would see you showing yourself strong on on our behalf, which would again be to your glory, not ours. If you're here and you have not called upon the Lord, today's the day of salvation. We are sinners. That separates us from God. We're under God's judgment. We're under his condemnation. But God sent his son to make the way of salvation, to stand in your place, my place, to pay the penalty of our sin and defeat the penalty of our sin, death, and resurrecting from the grave. Whoever calls on his name would be saved. Call on him. Humble your heart before him. Let the Lord meet you where you are. Lord, help us to finish well, lifting our voices to you, God. We thank you, we praise you. Let's worship the Lord as we close here. cross I cling of its suffering I do dream of its work I do sing for on it my Savior 
sound like an amen. Well, I just pray the Lord would richly bless you. I pray you just bless our fellowship right now with one another. Hey, the altar's open up here. If you want to come pray, get prayed for, you can do that at your seat there. And then about, probably about 15 minutes, uh, you know, we're going to have the, the meeting for VBS workers and so forth in here. And again, lift that up in prayer all week and just God bless you in the Lord Jesus Christ.